0: The man of will breaks all boundaries.
1: As above, so below.
0: Magic of come to realize is a new
2: way of seeing our own world. Something divine truly does exist.
0: You're listening to the Occulture Shock podcast with your host Dave Escuro.
2: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Occulture Shock podcast. I am your host Dave, and you are about to listen to part two of my conversation with the and witch Viv. Uh, our conversation last week was going so well, and I thought we were touching on such an uh, potent and relevant topics that we let the recorder keep going, and uh, we got a whole another episode out of it. So uh, thank you once again for listening, and without further ado, this is part two with Viv.
1: An issue I have is where, and I, I have no issue with people using she slash they pronouns. I did that for a long time, but one issue I have is people using that and then making transphobic posts Mm. yeah it it almost seems as if they're doing it to be like oh yeah i know they're they're straight and they're like oh yeah i'm lgbt now i know this is a slippery slope i do not want to invalidate anyone's pronouns but if you are being transphobic then i'm gonna i'm gonna question that i'm gonna be like
2: well and they don't act as a barrier for your discrimination Right. Mm -hmm. Certainly changing the pronouns in your Twitter bio doesn't make other crappy things you do, be it transphobic or any crappy behavior. It doesn't make you immune to that. Like you still will have to face criticisms for being not a nice person.
1: Exactly. You know, and I think it's like, oh, well, they use those pronouns. They can't be transphobic. Well, they can, you know, there's different, like, I just, I think people need to understand that You can be a bad person regardless of your identity. You could be, I don't know, I'm Middle Eastern, for example. So I'm gonna use my own kind of ethnicity as an example. You can be Middle Eastern and racist towards other racists
0: or racist.
1: Not only white people are capable of racism. And it's weird to me that people don't understand that very simple concept. I'm non-binary. Non-binary people can be transphobic sure even though it's very counterintuitive it doesn't make sense to me i don't get the thought process but it can happen um and so i think using the whole excuse of like oh they're non-binary they can't be a bad person they're middle eastern they can't be racist uh like it's such a bad faith argument
2: yeah and, and and you see it Again, I'm getting jaded in my older age, but like you see it all the time. So it just seems like people sort of use it as a badge of like, oh, look, I'm good. I'm cool. I'm part of the cool kids. And then they go on with their shitty behavior that they did if they didn't have that button or pronoun or or label or rose or whatever it may be, whatever signifier.
1: Well, actually, you know what that reminds me of? Um, Something I mentioned earlier, the the white woman who called this Middle Eastern woman, this belly dancer, a sand N-word. Guess what she had in her bio?
2: Oh, totally. BLM. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Of course. And and it's of almost to, it's almost to the point where again, when you, the, the more cynical you get, the more you just come to expect it and you start mm-hmm. to believe you start to question people's um, authentic belief in it.
1: Yeah.
2: But I think we we we've, we've isolated ourselves that we're unwilling to listen to some valid criticism about the way that we operate our communities including yeah. and maybe especially progressive folks because at least with right-wing folks i know they're shitty you know and not all yeah. of them are totally shitty i've you know i've got i am been from texas i have friends and family that are not shitty people but they just you know like my mom votes republican you know because back in the 70s democrats were like were real two-faced and um, they'd promise that they'd, they'd go into these poor Mexican neighborhoods and they'd promise people food in exchange for their votes it just left a bad taste in my mom's mouth and so for you know 30 40 years she's votes republican i don't like that and she's mm-hmm. not a conservative person if you talk to her like about individual issues she's actually pretty at least liberal person
0: mm-hmm.
2: but you know people are going to have the habits that they have And I don't think that we should assume that everyone is the worst type of person just because they maybe are offering a perspective that doesn't align with us feeding our own egos, whereas where I think a lot of this comes from.
1: Absolutely. And you know, my my rule, my rule of thumb is if someone's not being a bigot, don't call them a bigot. Like it's very, very simple. Um, you know, if you're a woman and someone disagrees with you they're not necessarily misogynist right like um
2: and sometimes they are but
1: sometimes they are and it depends on what they disagree with right because if you're saying if you're a woman talking about sexism and a man comes in and says sexism doesn't exist then he's probably a misogynist but you know if, if it's completely unrelated then you know let's not make a bad faith arguments. and um you know, and it's really important that we're able to talk things out and be like and, and understand each other's perspective. I know we've done that, you know. Yeah. Um, and those conversations can be some of the most enlightening conversations that you've ever had, or right. not you've ever had. That's a little dramatic, but
2: you know. But maybe. Perhaps. I think that we oftentimes think ourselves so virtuous, you know. When in reality, there's still very much room for us to grow. And that growth will only come from listening to conversations that might make us feel somewhat uncomfortable from time to time or challenge at the, the level of virtue that we think that we are.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's so important to listen to people's experiences because there are things that I'm never going to, or not never, but there are things I'm less likely to experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Um And that is one thing that I think is good that's being pushed on the internet, although sometimes it could go a little too far, like with everything, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: but the idea that it's, that you should listen to other people's experiences that you might not experience because of your gender or your race or your sexual orientation or, you know, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very easy for people to discount experiences you know where sometimes I'll I'll say I'll make a post about my experiences with misogyny and some some men will be like oh that probably wasn't because of misogyny and I'm like well you weren't in that situation right Right. like you don't you don't know that and you don't really experience misogyny Um, you know although I, I don't support the whole kill all men thing that's
2: and it does suck. It does suck mm-hmm. to hear you're a piece of shit every day. You know? Yeah. It, it sucks if you're a Hispanic Chicano person hearing that you're a piece of shit. It sucks that if you're a man or front-facing man or whatever to hear that you're a piece of shit. It sucks. It sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Yeah. Especially when you don't think that you've done anything wrong. And maybe you haven't done anything wrong. Or maybe you did things wrong when you are younger and you don't now. It is a shitty feeling. And I think we need to stop normalizing this this these broad strokes, things that we say. That being said, Mm -hmm. well, if you're a guy and you're tired of hearing men are trash, which I am, um, because even if I was trash yesterday, I don't want to be trash today and I don't want to be constantly reminded of it. Right. We should, Mm -hmm. again, allow that space for people to grow. And I don't think you can allow people to grow if you're constantly telling them they're terrible, but it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of terrible men out there. And I, I generally hold that all men have done terrible things at some point. It's Mm -hmm. the reality. That doesn't mean that's who I am now. It doesn't mean that I even thought it was terrible at the time. You learn from your experiences. You learn and you hopefully are a little bit better today than you were tomorrow. And I'd like to think that when I'm 50, I'm going to look back at myself at 40 and think, Jesus Christ, I had so much growing to do. You know, what mm-hmm. an idiot I was. Right. And and same thing, same thing. Um, yeah. So I feel like sometimes when people chime in like, oh, not all men, you know, that whole thing. It's like, I get it. But also, maybe that's not the way to approach it. Maybe the better thing would be to ask questions. Yeah, you know, maybe if you had an experience where you came where you came across um, uh, misogyny, maybe rather saying, well, "I couldn't have been that." Maybe it's better to just say, "Share more of your experience." You might have the opportunity to open your eyes to something that either you're a part of, or your friends are a part of, or just exists in society that maybe you were closed off to because you didn't think it applied to you.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, That's super important. And I mean, going back to the men are trash thing, I remember, I think I saw, I think you made the tweet where you were saying, well, um, it can also be an excuse for like racist women to paint. Oh yeah. um, You know, to paint men of color, people of color who are met, whatever you want, you know, um, as predators. Cause that has been
0: long historically
1: fall. a thing. Oh, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it has a horrifying history, you know, where men have been killed for it. Men have been tortured for it. Horrible. Um, and to be honest, I, that had not really occurred to me because that's not something I've experienced. And, um, you know, it really opened my eyes to it, but I can just imagine, someone being super closed off to that idea who's really into the whole idea that men are trash and it's okay to paint all men as predators, seeing that and refusing to listen to what you were saying. Um, And again, I I think it also goes back to nuance where nuance gets lost. It's not just the fact that um, it's hard to put nuance into a tweet because that's true, but I think it also gets lost on people. you know or they they don't really think critically
0: yeah
1: um same with like the closed practices thing where someone says oh please respect this thing from this culture um do it respectfully and then someone's like oh so it's closed right so i can't use it right right and it's like no <laughs> i promise you hellenic polytheism isn't closed yeah like
2: and, then, um, and it feels like anything that's out in the open, there's probably a respectful way to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, I, I generally don't hold that many things are closed because to me, if they're out in the open, there is some way to be a part of it. Now it may be a very difficult way to be a part of it. You may need to seek out elders and and there may be a um initiational process. It, it may not be as simple as as saying, I am now this, mm-hmm. because this is my new identity that I'm I picked up off the shelf. But more often than not, there's, there's probably a respectful way, if you truly love it, if it's something that you're just like, you feel compelled to be a part of, to be a part of it in a way that offends no, no rational person.
0: Yeah,
1: no, I agree with that. And I think I think that one of the issues within specifically the occult and witchcraft community is that a lot of the terms we use have loose definitions. Mm-hmm. So to one person, closed means you can't enter this practice ever. To another person, it means initiatory. To another person, it's both. Um, and I think that causes issues because if someone said this practice is closed, that's already a statement that lacks detail sometimes and nuance, unless, you know, unless it's a well-known universal thing, which usually it isn't. Um, and then you get people saying, Oh, Christianity's closed, which it's the the least the most open practice there is it's the most open practice
2: yeah I mean I don't even know how you I don't even know how you get to that conclusion if you just study history like a little bit
1: yeah or have you had any experience with Christians like proselytizing yeah at I all because and the person who one of the people I've seen say this was a pagan and I was like, like have you not had Christian to tell you to be Christian like I don't
2: how? I mean, when we were kids, um, my grandma used to call them religion on wheels. I grew up Catholic. And um, I, I don't know if it's Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons, or maybe they're the same thing. I don't know well enough. But the, the, the folks that come by on the bicycles and they knock on your door, those folks mm-hmm. would always come by because um, uh, I guess they do. It's part of their sort of initiatory process to do door-to-door salesman-y stuff. And, and my grandma, who's very funny, would always like close the blinds and turn off the lights and the TV whenever she saw religion on wheels come by and we would sit in silence while they knocked <laughs> on the door until they left, which is hilarious to me now as an adult, but yeah. the idea that Christianity was closed just flies in the face of everything that has ever been. I mean, the crusades, I mean, there's tons of, it's not even, it's not even tough to find information that shows that's clearly as open as open gets.
1: Exactly. Um, I really don't get how people came to that how they came to this conclusion at all maybe they heard something about baptism and were like oh so it must be closed unless you're baptized which there's way too many sects of christianity to have a singular rule applied to all of it right you know so I'd, I'd say mm-hmm. i was, I'd say, think but... was like uh-huh go on, no, sorry. No, you go ahead you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, well, I was saying, I would say the only rule is belief in God, the Christian God. That's probably about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah. As someone who grew up um, Catholic and then spent a few years in a non-denominal Church of Christ type church, like you don't have to be baptized. I mean, they'd like you to be at some point. And generally people who are, um, who belong long enough will get, my sister got baptized twice because we were Mm -hmm. born Catholic. So we were baptized as babies. And then at a certain point, she actually had me baptize her in a river in Texas um, because she was, she had found more solace in, you know, uh, Protestant uh, Christianity. So, you know, which one of them counted? Both of them? Neither of them? They can't see each other out? Is there a third baptism on the way? Like, I, you know, it, it's, it's it's silly things, but it, it, it feels like I want to give people the better for the doubt that it comes from a good place mm-hmm. of trying to do good. But I think in the process, our ego gets in the way and it becomes about being virtuous and telling people how virtuous we are. You know, um, good deeds to me are just as efficient and effective in, in silence and in shadow as they are under the big spotlight. You know, they help people just the same. And, and in some instances, you might even make the argument that they're more effective because they they take the self out of the act and they just are an act of selflessness.
1: Yes, Exactly. And that's why I kind of side-eye people who post about certain things on social media all the time. You know, now I understand being an activist on social media, spreading awareness, educating people. I think that's wonderful. I think people should continue doing that. Um, But I do find it hard that it comes from a genuine place when people film themselves doing certain things. Yeah um take aesthetic pictures of themselves at a protest it's it's a little weird it's a little weird and it seems a little bit like oh let me show my followers how cool and trendy and progressive I am um when the real point of it is that that is not the point and it's actually highly disrespectful to the causes involved you know the amount of times during the Black Lives Matter protests that were um you know very intense a few months ago the amount of like models and stuff on uh, yeah. who were, you know, posting heavily edited aesthetic pictures. Um, and then it came out that some of them weren't even protesting. They just went there to take pictures and left.
2: Oh yeah, they got caught. Plenty of people got caught with that.
1: Yeah. And it, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I just can't imagine doing that, you know? I, not to seem like, oh, I'm better than them, but.
2: I think a lot of it's social pressure. And I think that it's, it's an extension of high school. It's belonging and we want to belong to something. And I think we all, I mean, a lot of people, most people want to leave the world a better place than they found it. Um, whether or not this is the best approach is certainly, I think we've highlighted some of the debate, but there's also the mechanic of social media, which is. Um, you know, for people who have not seen The Social Dilemma, I I strongly recommend it. I think that the way social media is designed is to keep you addicted. It's to keep you coming back. It's to keep you engaged. It's its sole function. And it doesn't matter how it does it. It wants to keep you engaged no matter what. And I, I, I think that when we lose our conscious mindfulness of that, of this is the mechanics going behind it. I know we, as we see jokes online, like praise the algorithm, but like it does truly highlight and show us certain things and um, and it can manipulate our thought process, you know, so the, so no rational person to me goes to a protest just to take a photo, to show their followers in a fake way that they were whatever. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, but, you know, my mom used to say, "If you stick a white glove in mud, it doesn't turn the mud white, right?" If you're if you're engaged long enough with a certain mindset, it will start to, or at least has the potential, strong potential, to manipulate and and adjust your thought process.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's also reflected in the pipeline to like alt right, mm-hmm. where. Especially younger guys, you know, younger teen teens um, will, and it happens with, with girls too, but it's mostly the boys. Mm-hmm. They'll watch, you know, I don't know Ben Shapiro on YouTube or something. Then it'll lead in, or or they'll watch Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan. Right. Then it'll lead into something more extreme. It'll lead into someone racist. Then eventually they're ending up in neo-Nazi chat rooms. And, you know, it's, they're basically being quote-unquote groomed by mm-hmm. these neo-Nazis adopting their beliefs. And I think it's actually startlingly prevalent where I see teenage boys being extremely misogynistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm actually a little concerned for this generation, this new generation. And by gen, by this generation, I mean younger Gen Z,
0: right?
1: especially like the ones who are 14 now, 15 now. Hopefully they grow out of it. But like, I'm concerned as to how they're going to turn out because I'm seeing so much misogyny from them. I'm seeing so much um, animal cruelty, Mm. um, bigotry, because they're being taught this stuff online. And this stuff isn't regulated well enough. I mean, um, I got suspended for 12 hours from Twitter for basically insulting a (laughs) neo-Nazi heavily. He deserved it. um being he was being very racist he was a focus. I don't know if it was a he or she but you know whatever I don't care about them so who cares I got suspended right away for that Twitter it took them about a week and I had to tell my followers and my mutuals to also report their account it took them like at least a week to suspend the neo-nazi wow and I'm sitting here over here I'm sitting over here like why do I get suspended within two seconds for 12 hours for insulting this neo-Nazi, but it takes you a week to get rid of their account that is full of racism. It was disgusting. It right. was full of slurs. It was full of racial slurs, stereotypes, um, just really vulgar racist language. I don't know how Twitter didn't catch that.
2: But they don't care. They don't they, care. Because they don't actually care because that person probably very engaged and they like engagement. I, I, I think that there's two things that all people, one, I don't think minors should be on social media. And I know people are going to disagree with me and that's fine. And I know I'm probably old man yelling at the clouds and that's also fine, but um, I didn't have social media as a kid because it didn't exist. Um, And I think I got by just fine. And I think young people who are, have developing brains should probably not be subjugated to this, this algorithm and, um, all the nastiness that can come from it. I think there's plenty of ways to stay educated and mindful, and it's not a sign of maturity. It's simply a reality that, that you're, when your brain is developing, you should be mindful of what you put into it because it can have long-term effects. Um, I also think that as someone who grew up in a town that uh, there's a lot of gangs in South Texas, and I saw a lot of young, mostly young men, but women as well, Get indoctrinated by these gangs, and what and what happens is they use people's frustrations, they use their sense of um, not belonging, or oftentimes these people come from rough homes or have trauma or whatever it may be. They use this to open up a community for them, and I think community is something that's harder and harder to find in the real world, especially as you get older. And so, people want to belong to something because that's a part of our human nature, um, and so they often will. Will join gangs, um, banners, political movements, scenes, communities, uh, without, without, mu- without withholding that part of themselves that belongs strictly to themselves. Mm-hmm. And over time, you might listen to Joe Rogan, and it, you know, it's just the bro science guy, you know, kind of in the middle, slightly liberal, fiscally conservative, m- meathead dude. And then you hear Jordan Peterson and now a couple of those clean your room. That makes sense. I'll clean my room. And then, you know, and then and then if you're a certain type of person and not even an extreme type of person, just a a person who is living within the violation of capitalism, it's very easy to just keep going down the path until you feel like you belong. And that's usually when you're at the most extremist end. And I think all the sort of extremist behavior that we're talking about online is sort of a, a byproduct of that. You know, it can just as easy as you can be indoctrinated to an extreme um, far right ideology. It can happen as a far left ideology. Um, uh, I don't even consider what we see on Twitter as far left uh, ideology. I I feel like it's something else. It's this other sort of virtuous identity. Um, And then the other thing I think that people should be mindful of, aside from watching the social dilemma and understanding the mechanics social media and 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 not only do i think minors should not be on social media i think people should watch documentaries on cults um and 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 i know that that's something that the cult community is mindful of generally Mm -hmm. sometimes but all people on social media should definitely watch the way cults work um watch yeah watch the source family watch that new heaven's gate cult um documentary watch those things and then change the vernacular and apply to social media and ask yourself How much of this is applying to me
1: yeah well it's incredibly easy um i'm gonna mainly focus on like occult social media spiritual Mm -hmm. social media because not all of it's necessarily occult although it could be to some people where especially in the new age uh, movement you've got teal swan um i know i'm name dropping here Mm -hmm. who cares whatever whatever it's teal swan a lot of people have name dropped her um, she, she's dangerous. She has a whole commune. She spouts some questionable beliefs. She feeds into satanic panic. She's lied about being sewn into a corpse. Um, sewn into got, a corpse. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, please explain this to me, because
2: because all I'm imagining is like Han Solo being shoved into the little snow creature when he was, or no, it was Luke. <laughs> yeah, Luke was shoved into. It. That's what I'm imagining it must have a big person to get her yeah, like, in
1: how is that so it turns out that's impossible um <laughs> so she was lying so you know but she claimed that um this satanic cult abused her as a child sewed her into a corpse and all of this stuff and she claimed she had scars i've never seen any scars on her um you know and I, i'm not saying that 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 talking about I'm not saying people should be discredited when they talk about abuse, but when they say they were sewn into a corpse, then, you know, that's something that's physically impossible, then they should be scrutinized. And she's made a lot of money off of this. She has, you know, she has this gigantic house. She has her own commune now. Um, and there's also spirit science and don't stuff. He says is bullshit. Most of it. Yeah. Um, but these people believe it and it's basically a cult. You know, you'll, you'll um, criticize Teal Swan or you'll criticize spirit science, or criticize these new age, huge influencers with millions of followers and their followers will come in droves and they will um, defend them. And it's it's literally like a cult leader, no matter what they say, no matter what they, they, they do, they'll get um, defended. Same with there's, um, a person, I know, I I don't want to give them a platform, but, you know, they already have a large platform. So, you know, who cares? Hood Healer on Mm. Twitter, you know, they've defended Hitler, they said, Hitler knew something, Hitler killed Jewish people for a reason, which is disgusting. And you know what, you know, it's, it's culty behavior, because that person's followers defended them.
2: Yeah, Um, because they feel like they're part of something. Yeah, it's Um,
1: online cults.
2: Yeah, and you lose part of your own identity. Um, And I blame, I I don't know, I mean, look, look, obviously, this exists on the right too, but because I live in the left world, I I feel like I want to criticize it a little bit more strongly because maybe I'm holding out like a slightest bit of optimism that we can make it better. But it does feel like this idea, when when you get indoctrinated to this idea that you can never question the common belief, right? You can never scrutinize. You used that term earlier, and it's perfectly, uh, perfectly stated. When you don't scrutinize what you're being told online, um, and you just assume that everyone is telling the truth 100, then uh, uh, when you when you live in that world long enough, what stops you from someone saying, "I was thrown into a corpse," and you saying, "Well, I can't, I can't. That's trauma. I can't, uh, I can't question it. So I just assume." I mean. I don't know how big this person is stature wise but I got to imagine just from a, a simple physics explanation this body that they must have been sewn into would have been like Andre the giant just <laughs> to fit them in you know and there's not a lot of yeah. those folks around much less fresh corpse you know Andre died a long time ago so when we don't police ourselves um and 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 encourage people to be scared I don't want to say skeptical. Maybe that's not the quite, but, but at least scrutinize and think for themselves, formulate their own idea. And instead we only encourage just like, you got to, Hey, Hey guys, we're all believing this thing. Join with us, you know, and everyone's mm-hmm. like, well, I guess I got to unfollow this person because someone told me, or I've got a dog pile on this person because someone told me, or I got to believe that this thing is closed because someone told me it, you know, what, what might start at an innocent place very quickly can go into that weird Culty space, and I know we all laugh about, you know, witch talk, but mm-hmm. like, how do you think people got there? And and do we really believe that we're above becoming those folks, or maybe we're already those folks and we just don't acknowledge it? You know.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: So I, I I do think you know to go back to that early quote that we talked about. Um, what I do think that the the occult community online. Does tend to have a rant of the day, you know? It's like, what right. are we complaining about today? Well, on Witch Talk, it's this thing. And like, oh, great. This is the thing that we oh, all yeah. we'll all have our separate subtweets about. You know, mm-hmm. we're we'll all comments. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the outrage of the day. Um, I do think that there's some of that, that that also needs to be recognized. I I at the same time think that um, we do need to there are some actual issues. In our behaviors, our personal behaviors, not other people's behaviors, but our behaviors, that we need to look at critically, least we become sewn into corpses or whatever these these more <laughs> fringy beliefs are. It's it is it is a pathway to that extreme ideology.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um... And introspection is so important. And I've noticed that the worst people I've ever known were the ones that do not know how to introspect yeah. and do not know how to be like, oh, you know, let me think about this perspective and why I was wrong. Um, the one thing I want to touch on is Twin Flames. Um,
2: I, yes, let's talk about that. Because I have, um, so I'm not a witch. Uh, I dabbled in it a little bit on my path to being a ceremonial magician, but I, I never found someone that I could learn from. And if you look online, there's just so much, so many different things. And so I never felt grounded. I mean, I, I tempted stuff, and, but I never really felt like I could find it. But um, a friend of mine who I've had on the podcast um, has talked extensively. She would consider herself a love witch and she's extensively talked about Twin Flames and some of the dangers of that. So I'd love for you to sort of
0: yeah.
2: weigh in as well on it.
0: So
1: um, I have a problem with the concept especially this, this kind of new agey concept of Twin Flames because I've seen it used to exploit people. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for other reasons as well. Oh. There's the whole Twitter, there's a Twitter issue with every Of course there is. You find, but, you know, including that a while ago. And um, so on YouTube, you know, there's pick a card readings. Never, I never do those anymore, but I used to do them occasionally but there's ones on twin flames, and it is so toxic. It's like, okay, so, yeah, he, this person left, but they're going to come back, and um, I know you're, like, desperate, and, like, you're really depressed and, and everything, but they're going to come back, and it's, it's so, so toxic, because it enables abuse. It's, like, this whole idea that oh, you're, you're going to go through hell in this relationship, but you have to stay because they're your twin flame. And they're going to put you through hell. They're going to make you question yourself. They're going to make you go through this abyss of, I don't know, um, self-introspection. And, and you're going to have to heal from them, basically healing from their abuse. Right. But it's glorified abuse, in my opinion. And then you're going to come out stronger and you're going to be together again. And I just, I just don't understand how the people who believe it, I mean, I do understand because again, it's indoctrination into yeah. belief, but I think people need to understand how toxic that is. Cause when you put it into words, it is so, so utterly toxic. And the thing is I've experienced with this cause I had a friend who I'm not a friend. I'm not friends with her anymore. Cause I just couldn't handle, I couldn't handle it. She was I'm not into Zodiac stereotypes, right. but she was the ultimate, the worst cancer
0: <laughs> you've ever
1: met. Always crying, always upset. And, and I, and, and I know, I think it's good to support your friends through their issues, but it wasn't sure. just that she was very clingy. She would get mad if I didn't text back. Anyway, this whole thing, obviously I'm not going to name drop. Cause that would be a terrible thing to do. Um, but she started watching these twin flame readings after she broke her, her ex and her broke up. And she'd watch them and they would say, oh, this person is your twin flame. And then she'd just not be able to let go of this person. And this person was not good for her at all. But she could not let go for this whole, a, a year, a year. She could wow. not let go of this person. They eventually got back for like a, a very short amount of time and it didn't work out. And, you know, I can just imagine how broken she was from that. Because I, I cared about her, even though we're not yeah. friends. I hope like, she's doing okay. Um, but that whole thing s- literally just sent her into a spiral. And especially after seeing that, I, I that, I think it really hit me then how toxic it is. And I was like, I really hate this. And I hate anyone who exploits people for money for this. Because this is it has the same energy to me as um, those kind of grifter mediums who will exploit people who yeah. are grieving, you know. Um, I think it's it's really gross how it's used to basically tell people to stay in toxic relationships and abusive relationships. And, you know, oh, if you want this twin flame journey to go easier, give me $250, I'll do right. stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. After the hundred dollar reading, I just gave you to tell you that they're your twin flame.
2: Yeah. I, I have, um, I have two pieces of media, that I think anyone who's b- before you formulate your own opinion on twin flames, I agree with you. I, I, I don't buy into it because, you know, um, we all have experienced love loss and we never think it's going to be the same. And then someone else comes along and it may not be the same, but it's different in its own way. And sometimes it's better. Oftentimes it's better. Hopefully. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I can, you know, I grew up during the emo phase. I, I probably wrote bad poetry about ex lovers and what have you, but you know what you, you move on and you meet someone better and, and you yourself are someone better, but two pieces of media that I would recommend that people watch um, at, at our house, my wife and I have been watching sex in the city reruns and there's an episode with one of Carrie Bradshaw's lovers named Berger, and it's the, she's just not that he's just not that into you episode. And I, I definitely recommend that because sometimes it comes down to, they're just not that into you.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Sometimes it, it's just not meant to be. And, and that's a hard pill to swallow, but if someone truly cares about you, they will make an effort. And if they've stopped making the effort or uh, if it's gone, certainly if it's going into realms of abuse or things of that nature, then they don't love you. Not in the way that you and that's not to say that people don't make mistakes. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not a person who's gonna throw the baby out with the bathwater, but if you if if you're looking at the pattern of the relationship and it's mostly negative, then it's probably not meant to be there's no such thing as a twin flames in that regard. Um, and they wouldn't be your twin flames if they're treating you so terrible, right? Yeah. And and then the other piece of media to watch is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Because that entire movie is about someone who believed in a twin flame and, um, and sort of the behaviors and the actions that they took as a result of that mania. Um, and I think that they did a really good job in that film of highlighting the dangers of believing that there's just that one person who is going to make you whole. Yeah. And instead, we should, we should put the focus on ourselves, especially spiritual practitioners, to making yourself whole making yourself all that you need. And then if that is accomplished, then the person, that partner that you invite into your life then gets to enjoy a whole person, not a broken, fragmented person who is trying to fulfill themselves in a way that will never occur. They'll never Mm -hmm. meet every need that you have. And it will almost always end in a toxic manner.
1: You know, if you're expecting someone to make you whole it's most likely not going to work out unless you do that inner work at the beginning of the relationship you realize well shit, I'm not actually contributing anything to this. I'm pressuring them. I'm basically turning them into my therapist right Your boyfriend, your partner, your husband, your wife, your girlfriend, your fiance, whatever they are not your therapist. I think they should help you they should I think it should be a symbiotic relationship, right? Because if you are expecting someone to make you whole, if you are expecting someone to heal, do the healing for you, you're leeching off of their energy and they're not going to want to stick around.
0: Yeah, Because absolutely. no
1: one wants that. No one wants to be in a relationship where you are just broken and you want them to, hit, to fix you.
2: Right. And I, and I think that in, in my experience, the relationships that work the best are the relationships where your partner doesn't fix you, but they allow you the space for you to to do the work yourself. Um, they support you, they uplift you. They 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 extend empathy towards you and compassion and mercy. These are all things that I think that aren't really in vogue to talk about, but that they're a reality of what needs to happen for a healthy relationship to endure. And it's not always easy, but yeah. if you um, if you can remove your ego a little bit from it and and you can provide space. Um, with with boundaries with strong boundaries then I think that you can m- you can mutually support each other without depending on each other and I, and I think that should apply also to social media I think that especially in the time of covid when a lot of us have been indoors and we haven't had much of an opportunity to be social uh, I think that we are we are finding our sort of social twin flames online um, within a commu- within communities. And I think Mm -hmm. in the same way that we talk about it with partners, I think we should extend that same behavior towards communities or scenes or groups wherein being part of a community isn't going to fulfill you. It isn't Mm going to make you whole. You know, um, Nietzsche talked about after saying God is dead, that people would fall into nihilism and often try to to fill that God void with banners and movements and uh, whatever it may be. And we see that. We see that often, right? People are trying to fill that hole in their heart with I'm a this, I'm a that. And, you know, I used to do it too. Like I was a socialist. I'm, I'm a vegan. I'm a whatever, 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 whatever. Right. And you put in the head of your bio and, and therefore you feel like that is giving you the fulfillment that you're looking for, but it never will. And, um, and no matter how far and extreme you get in these social circles, you're never really going to feel fulfilled and therefore you're always going to be like finding that next thing, that next hit, right. That next dopamine push yeah. to make you feel a little bit of, of, um, acceptance and love really at the end of the day, it's like, I, 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 I sort of say this flippantly, but it feels like a lot of people need a hug yeah. You know? okay. <laughs> and they're trying to find it online or they're trying to find it to a partner, um, on a soul level, but it's just, it's never going to be there if you're not willing to fill that that void yourself
1: absolutely yeah and I take and I understand it because you know I think we've we've probably almost all of us have probably been there at some point where you are you want someone to do that for you because healing is hard picking up the pieces and you know moving on and and, and keeping going if that's the right term I don't know i Um, it's rough. And, you know, a lot of people use social media as a crutch partners as a crutch. Um, You know, one thing I've noticed, especially growing up, especially when you're, you're quite young, is that a lot of people go through relationships like this Mm -hmm. to fill a void um, rather than healing. So, you know, they'll be with someone, they'll break up, they'll right away, move on to someone else. So they don't have to be alone with themselves and they don't have to deal with healing. Yeah. themselves that and that's the most depressing thing to me and I see it so much where you know one month someone's like this person is my universe then a few months later this person then another month later this person it's like how many universes do you have like right. you know yeah. take take a year off and heal yourself and and just just sit along with yourself you know because I think for me personally Sit, being able to sit alone with myself and heal after having certain traumatic experiences and um, just being able to go through that journey of healing, basically, is the only word I can use to describe it. Um, is what, and not only did it change me as a person, but it was when I realized I was finally ready for a good, mature, steady, long term relationship. Right you know, because if you're broken, and if you're not, if you're not um, able to, if you're using your partners as a crutch, it's, you're not going to be able to have a long term relationship, and you're going to keep getting your heart broken. Um, you know, and then the whole twin flame thing, a lot of it's like searching for your twin flame. And it's that same thing. It's encouraging that like going through
0: partners
1: right. all the time. And, and I'm not talking casual. I mean, like, Getting into yeah. relationships constantly, um, and then you're just breaking yourself down more and more and more instead of l- uplifting yourself and and being like, okay, maybe there's a reason that this isn't working out because I'm the common denominator in this. Right.
2: You know, well, it, it's it's a you know too many failures in a row will just beat your spirit down. Um, yeah. I want to I want to say this. This is I, I think a, a dirty little secret that men um, don't share and maybe aren't even aware of. Uh, and, I, and I'm sure this exists for women as well but again I'm just speaking from my own perspective um, sex and sexual prowess is also not a twin flame you cannot validate yourself with sexual conquest or whatever you want to call it and I think that that's something that a lot of young men never recognize um, yeah. we feel bad if we don't have constant partners you know physical partners we feel bad if if within our relationships we don't have um, this, this sort of unrealistic version and look i'm not there's no right or wrong amount of time to experience intimacy but but we oftentimes especially within men will oftentimes um project this idea of what enough is and Mm -hmm. you never reach it because you're you're trying to validate your entire existence based on how many people you can fuck or or how frequently and um in the same way that like the twin flame philosophy is really toxic. I think that for a lot of men, and again, it might it may well extend to women as well who, who go about this. And, and I'm not against sex or I'm very sex positive, you know, casual or in relationships, but just like with the twin flame thing, just like with dating, right? You have to take stock if whether you're doing it for um, your own personal, healthy, balanced reasons or whether you're doing it to sort of fill something that's never gonna be filled by that. And, Mm -hmm. and I was like 37 years old when I figured this out, you know, and I'm still figuring it out, but, but it was a big, you know, I went through a divorce and it was a big eye opener for me that I was spending all this time trying to fill this void um, that was never going to be fulfilled until I, I took the time to look inward and validate myself, Mm -hmm. validate my existence based on just being me. And when I did that, then I met my beautiful wife and, And it's always a process, you know, it's, it's always an ongoing development, no matter what the thing is that you're trying to work through. But I do think that people are, we spend so much time looking for other ways, other people, other activities to validate ourselves, instead of looking inward, realizing that we are an extension of God, and we don't need anything else. Literally don't need a single, there's nothing that anyone or any nation can provide us or any banner, or any belief, or any activity can provide us that will fulfill us any more than what we already are. And once we accept that, and we can be kind to ourselves within that realm, then we can enjoy relationships, then we can enjoy sexuality, then we can enjoy social groups and communities, then we can enjoy banners and movements and things of that nature in a healthy behavior rather than in a desperate need to validate ourselves or fill a void.
1: Absolutely. And, um, you know, that's a great point. And using something as a crutch usually doesn't end well, whether it's relationships, social media, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes, whatever yeah. it is, even working out too much is bad for you. Yeah. Um,
2: and they can also be great for you. But yeah, in, in, in only in a healthy manner.
1: Balanced. Yeah. Gotta be balanced. Because, you know, um, and it's super easy to find coping mechanisms, you know, a certain level of escapism is good for you, you know, you watch a movie, we watch movies, we read books, um, but then you get to this extreme level where people are maladaptive, daydreaming or, or doing whatever and calling it shifting. And, you know, they're doing this all the time, especially kids, yeah. um, you know, or people, um, let's say in spirituality, they're taking LSD or shrooms every single morning and every single night, and tripping all the time. Right. And it's basically using as a crutch as and and I guess also a way of spiritually bypassing, um, you know, your real problems.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's very common. And you shouldn't need any of those crutches, right? In the mm-hmm. end, um, to turn a phrase that that Damien Eccles uses often. You should be able to be dropped in the middle of a jungle, buck naked, with nothing but yourself and magic, and get yourself out using magic. Like you should have, you should need no tools around you, nothing, and you should be able to to do magic with the same efficiency and accuracy as if you had all the bells and whistles. And that that's true for all aspects of life. You know, um, I have no issue with drugs. You know, I didn't start using drugs until much later in life, and I'm not a very frequent user of most, but you know, you can use drugs efficiently or you can use drugs in an, in an unhealthy manner. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can't reach a certain level of consciousness without them, then I would certainly recommend maybe taking a break and, and, and you know, experimenting with doing it sober. Um, this yeah. goes for music, right? I use music a lot when I do my ritual work, but sometimes I'll turn it off. And it's not my favorite way of doing it, but it's a necessary way of doing it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a necessary way of of um, releasing. My, I have a buddy who's he lives in Thailand, and every year he stops drinking for hundred days. It sort of uh, aligns with the the harvest moon cycles, and so for a hundred days he just doesn't drink. And I always found that to be a very healthy behavior to give mm-hmm. yourself that moment, or like Catholics and Lent, right? Reminding yourself that you don't need each and every one of these crutches that you think you need and that's the sense of relationships the success of social media the sense of drugs to sex to music to whatever I my mean, jobs you know all these things like you should be able to take a step back from them and be just as efficient in your practice and in yourself as you are under the influence or um uh well under the influence of any of these things
1: Absolutely, and that kind of reminds me um, of the book Egregores. I think it's by Mark Mark Stavish, if I'm mm-hmm. seeing his name correctly. Um, and that book talks, especially towards the end of the book, it talks extensively about detaching yourself from egregores. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, I think that kind of applies to that as well. It's like take take a break sometimes. You know, it's okay, even for someone like myself where I create content. I still find it, you know, I took a Twitter break not too long ago. I still think it's necessary, even if it's two days, three days, um, take a break from it and see how you do. And if you find that you're dependent on it, then, well, it's good that you found that out because now you can, now you realize how much of an impact it has on your life and you can kind of go from there. Um, You know, and I think the, um, whole consumerism thing kind of ties into this where people will use buying new tarot cards as a crutch you know i've made jokes about this before i don't have enough money to do that but i'll i'll you know i'll look through amazon and be like (laughs) you know um but i'm sure if i did i i i might fall into that you know yeah um people use just consumerism shopping as a crutch i mean i knew a mother and a daughter, every single time I'd, I'd go hang out with them, they'd be going shopping and, and it, it they wouldn't use any of it. They wouldn't wear most of the clothes. It would just be sitting there, but it was, it was like a, I don't know, was it a dopamine hit, whatever. It made them yeah. feel good. Right? Yeah. Um, and all of these habits are unhealthy. And I think we, we talk we only talk about really most of the time we talk about alcohol. We talk about drugs. We talk about cigarettes, things that we are seen as addictive in society, but we don't really you know, think of shopping and stuff like that. I've heard it called, uh, yeah,
2: I've heard it called like retail therapy.
1: Yeah. Retail therapy. Um, another form of bypassing, not spiritual bypassing, but still bypassing your problems. Although it could be, it could be you if, know, if to- you're
2: buying, you know, if you're buying uh, if you're a armchair magician or a witch, and you're just buying, 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 and not doing any of the practices, which I know someone's going to call me ableist for saying, but it is the truth. <laughs> Like fine, yeah. fine. I'm not saying how to do it. I'm just saying you have to practice somehow. Um, yeah. And if you're just, if your spirituality is based around consumerism, I, I personally don't think it's going to be very effective in the end mm-hmm. for, for, because you might as well be buying a widget at the mall, you know, yeah. as St. George Carlin would say, people spending money, they don't have buying shit they don't need, you exactly. know, and then they didn't like it when they got it home anyway.
1: Exactly. Um, I see this a lot with, um, I've fallen into this trap with occult books where, you know, I'll see people who seem really well-read. They, they, they have this extensive gigantic library of occult books. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start buying books. I want to breeze through them. I want to read, read, read through them so fast. And then I'm like, well, hold up. I have not put in any of this knowledge into context or into practice. This is not what I should be doing. Yeah. Um, like with the book Psychic Witch, I got it. I I, I got it for Christmas as a gift, actually, which was really nice. Um, But I realized halfway through, I was like, I'm really speeding through this book. And I probably shouldn't be doing that. So now I've gone back, I've started on exercise one, I'm giving myself a week to do each exercise. Because I've, broken free from that pattern of being like i have to read through these books really fast so i can amass a larger library so i can finish these books buy more finish by more
2: right and you and know? and there's something to that because i think there's this need for us to all become authorities very rapidly mm-hmm. um for me i feel like the spiritual path should be one where you enjoy each step you know you ring you want to ring the juice out of each fruit so to speak you know you want to get the most out of each book or lecture or whatever practice and not be in such a rush to just like check the box and now I'm now I'm an expert. Now I'm at this level and check the box and now I'm at this level. And I'm sure it's difficult because as, as a content creator you you want to make sure that you have a basis for what you're saying. But mm-hmm. at the same time, to your point, if you're rushing through it, then you're how much are you actually extracting how much knowledge and gnosis are extracting from these things that you can really implement in your life and even see if they work or not right yeah sometimes they exactly. do sometimes they don't um mm-hmm. so speaking of your content we're, we're getting close to the end here i want to you to have the opportunity to tell us um where we can find your content what it's under what it's called and just sort of plug all the different sites that you're on
1: okay um. So on YouTube, I am Lunar Fairy Witch. Fairy spelled with an e. Um. And then on all other socials, so Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok are the ones I use. Uh, my username is Continuous Death, but the mm-hmm. e is a three. Okay. So. Excellent. Yeah. Uh,
2: really and, I, and I recommend uh, folks check out your stuff because I do think that you bring a very balanced approach to it, and you share a lot of useful information that it would have been nice for me to have found back when I was sort of flirting with natural magic, because there's just so many things. And I, I would certainly vouch for the stuff that you show and that you teach and that you talk about. And I also, for those of uh, for those people who have listened and heard us sort of railing on social media, which is not entirely bad, but, you know, I felt like we needed to address these things because I don't feel like they're brought up enough. These are real things that us as progressive folks should be addressing and recognizing um, so that we don't get into some wacky territory and tribalism and what have you. But I, I wanna leave us on one quote um, that, that Damien Echols shared. And it's, I guess the author of this is unknown, but it's, uh, it's apropos for our conversation about social media. Don't blame a clown for acting like a clown. Ask yourself why you keep going to the circus. And I think that before we buy our ticket to the big top, we need to ask ourselves why we're going there, what our intention is just like with any other practice and hopefully by at least doing that we'll know when it's time to give ourselves a break when it's time to use it to commune but also when maybe it's going into uh, unhealthy territory so that we can unplug ourselves from this algorithm and this sort of hive think and we can be our own free thinkers which will then aid with the very activism that we're hoping to bestow upon the world So thank you. I I appreciate the time. I'd love to talk with you and hopefully we'll have you on again soon.
1: Thank you so much. This was wonderful.
2: Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Thank you once again for listening to part two of my conversation with Viv. If you didn't get an opportunity to listen to part one, I recommend you going back to it. I I thought that Viv brought so much insight to this conversation of sort of uh, the reality, the inconvenient truths of social media, and some things that we should maybe be mindful of. Before we engage in Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or any of those platforms, um, it's a tool, just like any other tool that is in your uh, toolbox, and it can either be used for building, you can build bridges, you can you can connect with people from across the world, which is an amazing um, technological advance that would, even when I was a kid, didn't even exist uh, in any sort of mainstream way. Or it can be used destructively, and um, communities can be torn down. Infighting can occur. Um, respect can be lost. Um, hurt feelings can can happen. All these things are are. They're ultimately up to us. You know. While I do believe that there are some inherent dangers to social media built into the way it's designed, in the end of the day. The, the tool is in your hands and it's up to you to decide how you choose to use it. And are you using it for good or are you using it for maybe uh, malicious intent, uh, even if it's inadvertent? So thank you all once again. I hope to see you back here next week. I have a really great set of guests lined up. And until next time, gold rings on you all.